Hi, it's Jackie, and I'm reposting an episode on the ideal biblical woman because, well, the upcoming midterm elections has thrown her back into the spotlight. Lots of discussion about what it means to be a man or a woman, you know, who we are, what roles we should play, our God-given design, what we can and can't do with our bodies. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcella Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. Welcome back. First, I want to share with you when I bumped into this whole concept of the fact that there is this ideal biblical woman you and I are being asked to conform to, to squeeze into, and my journey to realizing I'm not her and how Jesus is so okay with that. I I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I, I I never went to church. I didn't know other Christians. And it was in my early 20s that a friend of mine led me to Jesus Christ, and I came to faith. And it was shortly after coming to faith um, that I actually decided I wanted to get to know this Jesus guy better. And I thought that meant you go to school. Um, I wish somebody had said, hey, Jackie, just go to church or take a Bible study class. Would have been so much cheaper. I didn't know anything about seminary or which one or if there were more than one. And the only thing I knew is the man who officiated my wedding went to one. And I thought, well, that must be the place that everybody goes to if they want to know more about this Jesus dude. And he went to Dallas Theological Seminary. So I applied. I got accepted. I think they're wondering now why they let me in. We packed our stuff. We put Hunter, our one-year-old, in the car, and we drove to Dallas, Texas in August. I got out of the car, and I got to tell you, I thought I couldn't breathe. My first class, they asked us to open up to the book of Philemon, and so I bent down into my backpack looking for one of the books, textbooks that I'd bought at the bookstore, and I noticed, wait a minute, everybody is opening up their Bibles. Oh my gosh, it must be in the Bible. So I quickly turned to the table of contents, not knowing how to spell Philemon, and trying to figure out what page it was on. This is kind of how most of my seminary years went. I sat next to really smart people who knew, like, who this guy Isaiah was and even where to locate it in the Bible and how Jesus used his words, and somehow that connected to another book in the Bible called Revelation. I spent most of my time just raising my hand, asking questions over, like, profound things like, um, hey, hold on a minute. Did, did you say Jesus walked on water? Like, I was just stuck on that one for a while. When I arrived at Dallas Theological Seminary, I was a brand new Christian, and I was a brand new mom, and I really had no idea how to do either. And you know what we do when we don't know how to do it. We look to her to see how she's doing it. That's what I did. That's what you do. 
At the time, I had little kids. We didn't have a lot of money, and I did two things a week. Basically, that's the only time I got out of the house. I went to seminary, and I took a women's Bible study class, my first ever, at Northwest Bible Church. And it's between these two places, seminary and church, that I learned that Christian women are supposed to be what I call light pink. The women I saw, I mean, they were dressed to the nines with shoes and bags and jewelry to match, their hair tastefully done, fingernails well manicured. I'm walking around on this campus, and I'm 20 years old, and there are women way older than me that have nicer figures. I learned out later you can buy that. The women were quieter and nicer and, quite frankly, just lovely. I was not. I just got off the boat, so to speak, from New York. So there's sarcasm, directness. You can picture it. Swearing. You know, swearing in the Northeast is not a sin. It's just punctuation at the end of a sentence. When we speak, we're direct. We go from point A to point B. But no, not these women. You go upstream, around the barn, through the woods, before you ever get to what they really want. I got to tell you, I found it a little bewildering and at times exhausting. I have long, unruly hair. I've learned to manage it later in life. Oh, it's all about products. But back then, I didn't know it. It looked pretty wild. I didn't wear makeup. I never had a manicure. I didn't even own a fancy pocketbook. Backpacks, way more functional. I really felt like I was in a foreign country. Now, don't get me wrong. These women were way more than nails and purses. Of course, you know that. They were kind and caring. They had dignity. They served each other and the church very well, in fact. They got things done. And the thing I saw most in them is that they really loved Jesus. And I really wanted to love Jesus like that too. And I found myself thinking, if I'm going to be a good Christian woman, then I need to be more like them. Ever feel like that? For me, I kept thinking, I need to get some makeup, a red purse, and I need to be nicer and quieter. I thought I needed to be light pink. Later, as I served in the church as a pastor, it became evident evident to me that we actually promote light pink, right? This is the ideal biblical woman that gets promoted in our church. Let me give you my definition of what I think gets promoted. See if it matches yours. A light pink woman is married with kids. Her work is to undergird her husband and children. She stays at home and creates a warm, hospitable space for others, serves in the church, in the nursery, children's ministry, women's ministry, or on the hospitality team, and they look damn good doing it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against light pink women. Not at all. In fact, my mom, the most influential woman in my life, she's light pink. She's a woman of beauty and peace. What I want you to know is light pink certainly is one way, notice I say that, one way women express who God is. It's just that it's not the only way. And that's a really good thing because if it was, I'd be disqualified and some of you would be too. I remember learning from theologians that they had lists, characteristics, attributes that were given for women, and then some that were given for men. And these are just God's design. It's like our DNA. We can't do anything about it. When you're a woman in God's image, you have these certain characteristics. And they were like characteristics like nurturing and being sweet and delicate and quiet 
almost every single one that were listed, I didn't have. And then I'd read the list under male attributes, things like leader, risk taker, decisive, protector, provider, a lot of those I had. It was quite confusing. There were these messages. And when I say messages, I hope you know that some of those messages are spoken. Most of them are unspoken about what it means to be a woman of faith. And when I was young, it created angst in me. I, I was trying to figure out what this looked like. And what I realized is what they were telling me wasn't who I was. I didn't know how to be that. I'm not so sure that most women um, who attend churches can relate to that ideal biblical woman. Did you know that for the first time in history, 51% of women in America live without a spouse? 51%. That means more women today live without a man than with a man. First time ever in history. And 71%, some say that the percentage is as high as 83%. So let's say 71 to 83% of women with children under the age of 18 work outside the home. 40 years ago, women owned 5% of small businesses. Now they own 30. 40% of women say they have more opportunity to lead outside their churches than within. That's why it shouldn't be a surprise to us that for the first time in history, the largest group demographic leading the church are women, specifically women my age, between their 40s and 50s. And I would like to argue it might be because us women can't find our real life, the one that's really happening, represented inside the four walls of the church. It's not spoken about from the pulpit. The activities aren't in line with our schedule, right? And I would also argue that it's because women have found that they have been overused and underutilized in their church. And I think it's time we stop limiting women by our limited definitions of what womanhood is, especially that it's only light pink. And it was this journey that sent me on a quest to figure out what does the Bible have to say? I mean, specifically, what does Jesus think of me? What does it mean to be made in God's image? And as I went back and dug, and we're going to outline some of this as we go along in this series, we're going to find that God's view of us is a way better view than the one we've been handed. I went back to Jesus, his word, and I found out that much of what I'd learned about who I was supposed to be wasn't biblical. And that's when I had like one of those aha moments around this whole concept is when uh, this young woman called me from Tennessee. This young woman was a mom of four kids, and she called me because she was struggling. She said, if I'm really honest, Jackie, I don't really love being a mother, and this was causing her great angst. By the way, we're going to talk about that later in one of our later episodes. What do you do if you're a mother and you don't love mothering? Because mothering doesn't come natural to all of us. It didn't for me, and it didn't for this, from, for this woman in Tennessee. And the problem was that when she shared this with her Christian female friends, you know, hey, I'm not loving mothering. They kind of did that tilting of the head, like, what's wrong with you, lady? And one woman even said to her, you know what? This is what you were made for. Your purpose is to mother. 
alas, why she's calling me. Jackie, is that my purpose? What am I supposed to do if I don't love this? And I'm thinking to myself, did someone say this in the 21st century? But if I'm honest, in subtle ways, I've heard that too. So have you, one way or another. And when she said that, I I started going through my Rolodex, which whenever I use that, I know you all kind of like, oh my God, it so dates you. I know, I know. Right now, I'd be scrolling down my screen, but back then, it was a Rolodex. And you know what? I couldn't find anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus said our purpose is to mother. Yeah, let me say that again. Nowhere in scripture does it say that a woman's purpose is to mother. Instead, what the scripture says, such as in Isaiah 43, 7 and Romans eleven thirty six, 36, is that our purpose is to glorify God. Yeah, glorify God. Not an easy concept, right? We can't go to the grocery store and pick it up in a box and bring it home and go, oh, that's that. That's what that means. That's what that looks like. To glorify means to show, to ooze out of ourselves God's image, God's infinite beauty, character, goodness, and worth. And so I started thinking about this. Our purpose is to glorify God. We're to show God off, if you will. So I I needed to consider, well, who is God then? What attributes does God possess? Try to list them. There's a lot. I bet you can't exhaust it. Warrior, nurturer, goodness, strength, provider, peace, sacrifice, designer, truth, creator. I could go on and on and on because the list is unlimited, and it should be because God's enormous. So let me ask you this question. What aspect of God do you think you show off more than other people do? If you had to pick one or two words that describe who God is that you have, that oozes out of you in ways that it doesn't seem to from others, what would those words be? This is a very helpful tool to learn how to embrace who, the uniqueness in which God made you and to actually resist to, to, being, to conforming to the ideal biblical woman. For me, I, when I think of the words that I might possess of God's characteristics, it, I'd have to say probably one of them is warrior. Um, and that's because, like, I got to be honest with you, if you're in the foxhole bleeding out, I'm coming to get you, bringing you to safety, putting a tourniquet on you to keep you from bleeding out. But I won't stay with you much longer, warrior. I represent that aspect of who God is in ways that I don't think everybody else does. Now, my mom, if you stood next to her, you'd find that she exudes beauty and peace. All of these are important characteristics, attributes that need to be seen. I started to think about if our job is to glorify God, right? That's huge. There's all kinds of aspects and attributes. And I was having a hard time getting my arms around this. So like I, I started thinking, okay, I started thinking in color. It, if God is, is color, right? He'd be every color there is. He'd be every shade of those colors. And he'd be colors we haven't even seen yet. Think of God as color, and he's, he's, he's splashed a hue of his color onto you, a shade of a hue onto you. What would that be? What shade or shape, sh- color would that be that, he, that you have? 
I started thinking about these things. And for me, mine is lime green. And I chose that color because green represents growth and flourishing. And I love that humans and humanity are, are meant to, growth and, to grow and flourish. I love bringing that to people's lives. Lime green because it's not always safe for the status quo, for those who want to stay in the status quo. It's a bit bold, a bit loud, right? Hey, by the way, if you want to dig into these concepts more, you can go to our, our website and you'll see on there, um, you can get the book Lime Green, Reshaping Our View of Women in the Church. You can also get it on Amazon. But also there, we're digging into these concepts through a mini course called Embrace Your Uniqueness. And there's more teaching there on this concept and fun tools to help you figure out your very own color. Just pop on over to our website. The point is mine is lime green. Knowing that not only helped me make sense of myself, but it helped me to not take on the pressure to conform to her, that ideal woman. And I remember one of those times when I was being pressured to conform. Can you think of a time it happened to you? I was sitting across the table. Steve and I were at dinner with another couple, a lovely couple. She's light pink, a lovely light pink woman. I like her. We have kids about the same age. And at that time, both of our oldest children were boys about the age of 15. And she was asking me what Hunter was up to and what he was doing. And so I told her that at that moment, he was in South Sudan working on a filming project about a bunch of women doing microfinance. And South Sudan, you may not know, is in Africa, and it's a very unsafe place. And the look on her face, she did that tilted head thing, you know, and the whole face was like kind of saying to me, what kind of mother are you? See, what I have learned is that women who want to live safe and tidy lives, they find me a a bit unnerving. They find my faith, actually, a little unnerving until their marriage blows up or their son commits suicide. And then, all of a sudden, they want me in their corner. And I remember when I was reading Erwin McManus's book, The Barbarian Way, which, by the way, is one of my favorite books, and he describes what I came to understand about myself and why women were like doing the tilting head thing to me sometimes. And this story is found in the book of uh, Judges, uh, chapter 11. I think it's one through, verses one through 11. And it's a story about three brothers, two of whom um, viewed the oldest brother, Jephthah, as a threat. And because of this, they ousted him from the city. And Jephthah went to live among the barbarians and became an excellent warrior. And later, when the city came under siege, they begged Jephthah to come back and fight for the city. And McManus writes these words, Barbarians are not welcome among the civilized and are feared among the domesticated. And he argues that our churches have become too domesticated and, if you will, civilized. He goes on to say, Barbarians can be counted as worthless when all is safe and secure, but dangerous times suddenly make them invaluable. Yeah. I read that and I thought, barbarians, they're lime green. And then I got a barbarian tattoo to remind myself. Because knowing that helps me reject the tilted head thing, you know, the pressure to conform to some other kind of woman or what it means to be a mother. In fact, I've come to understand that not only am I not supposed to conform to her ideal or anyone else's, but in fact, when I do, I'm sinning. 
We're going to get into that in the next episode. But the point is, God has placed this hue in me to show an aspect of who he is to a world that desperately needs to see all of God, not one version of God, not one color, all colors, all shades of colors, colors we haven't even seen. Let me turn us back to something McManus says. I think this will be so helpful for all of us who have felt the need to squeeze into some conformity to the ideal. He says this, When you understand what Jesus means when he says you must follow him, you finally realize this is not a cattle call. He is not calling you to the same life everyone else will live. He's not even calling you to the same path every follower of Christ will walk. Your life is unique before God, and your path is yours and yours alone. Where God will choose to lead you and how God chooses to use your life cannot be predicated by how God has worked in the lives of others before you. We need light pink ladies, don't get me wrong, who remind us that God is beauty and peace. But we also need you, scarlet purple, bright red, soft yellow, sage green, cobalt blue, every color, every shade of color, and colors we haven't seen yet, to remind us of everything else God is. Because God is on the move. He's transforming our view of Imago Day, women, in the name of Jesus and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day. Thank you.